You're listening to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast, where we feature everyday rebel bosses just like you who are taking charge of their life and creating a path to financial freedom by launching digital products online. I'm your host, Eden Freed. Let's learn to launch. Rebel Bosses, welcome back to another episode. Today we are talking all about beta launching, getting into not so messy action. We're diving into why getting your course idea, your product idea, whatever it may be, why getting it out there imperfectly is really the best way to make your product super effective. Now on the show today we have Steph Woods, a learning designer, um, who's going to be talking all about beta in terms of course creation, but know that what she's talking about holds true for lots of other types of digital products. So whether or not you are thinking of launching a course, know that you can still apply the beta launching method to any digital product. Steph Woods is a learning designer and course creation expert who specializes in value-focused educational services. She's worked with a variety of clients, all the way from professors at the top-ranked business schools in the world to A-list celebrities such as Tyra Banks. Working as an instructional designer at Stanford, she has mastered learning design techniques that she now brings to business owners, educators, and entrepreneurs. She's really passionate about creating methods for simplifying life and business through creating profitable digital courses and utilizing online marketing strategies to sell with ease, which sounds great, right? So it's almost time to learn from Steph, but I have a quick question for you. Have you grabbed your free roadmap to launching in 90 days? If not, go ahead there now, edenfree.com forward slash RBL, edenfree.com forward slash RBL to get your hands on that free digital product launch roadmap in the next 90 days. Okay, let's welcome Steph Woods. Hi, Steph. So excited to have you today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. All right. So we have a really exciting conversation ahead of us, but first tell us a little bit more about you, who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I am a um, course creation expert. I know all about um, the pedagogy, which is basically the study of learning. Um, That's kind of my strong suit. And I did this, um, helped create courses at Stanford University at the Graduate School of Business. And I was doing uh, graphic design on the side for entrepreneurs. And then I realized that there was no real great resource for creating really effective, valuable courses for entrepreneurs. So I shifted my um, my side business, and now I help entrepreneurs create really action-oriented um, courses that get res- results for their students. And that's such an important focus because too often people are like, hey, I'm going to make a course, and then they throw a bunch of ideas together and there's no true like flow or formula to or method to their madness and you know it doesn't taking that course doesn't bring about true transformation or results and i feel like people like you are so needed in this space to just bring that energy to focus on le- like the learning styles and teaching styles that are conducive to actually bringing about those results Yeah. And usually a lot of the times they're just really small tweaks that you don't think about. And all you have to do is kind of address them when you're creating your, your course content and it makes the world of difference. 
Absolutely. And I think that's where the focus should be. How can I deliver the best experience to my students so they can actually achieve the result that I'm promising them when they buy? Exactly. Okay. So today's conversation is all about beta, like beta launching, getting your idea out there, even if it's not perfect, even if it's a little bit messy. Um, tell us about this idea, this, this beta launching concept. So just like when you have a new TV show, you have a pilot, um, courses have betas. And it's kind of like accepted that pilots change over time. So like if you're in the second season of whatever your TV show is, it's going to be a little different than that pilot episode. Um, example, like South Park, you like the first couple episodes of South Park, they were really rough. And then now they're much more clean. So um, really the pilot is just getting yourself out there and getting your knowledge out there to see if people need it, how people react to it. You're really testing your curriculum um, before you go and kind of like finalize it to do a larger launch. And do you think beta launching is a requirement for getting your course out there? Oh, I think it's absolutely essential. There are so many benefits to having your beta launch and having your beta course. And the first is really the feedback that you get. Sometimes when we're experts or experts enough to create a course, um, we kind of forget how it was in the very beginning when we first started learning about whatever we're teaching. So we tend to kind of like skip over things, think that um, things are kind of like givens or common knowledge when really they're not. And so a beta, I mean, like for example, the feedback itself is just so essential to making sure that you cover all your bases and making sure that your students are able to follow what you're teaching. Now, I'm interested in this, the title beta, because I've had a lot of conversations with people who are like, I don't want to label this a beta launch because I don't want people to think that they're buying something that's less valuable than something that's not a beta launch. Like, why wouldn't they wait for the next iteration? What are your thoughts on that on actually labeling something a beta launch versus not using that label? Well, personally, I think it's all about positioning. If you're positioning it as we're going to build this course together, I'm going to give you, you know, more attention than you would be getting if you weren't, if we were done with the beta, because I'm going to kind of like be tailoring my content to what you need. It's actually, you can describe it as having more value really than, um, than your regular course. Um, also, I like to call it, I, we call it a beta, but I also like to think of it as an MVC. So um, we all kind of know what MVP is, minimal, minimum viable product. And I think of MVC is your minimum valuable course. Um, so the goal isn't to kind of just like haphazardly throw something out there. The content's still going to be really intentional. The content is still going to be like follow those teaching, um, those teaching methods and be really valuable. But it's just because it's the first swing at it doesn't mean that you can't have some structure or that. So I like to really talk about your beta as the first time you're doing the curriculum, but there's value in it. Like you're not, it's not just haphazard. You're, you're still taking the time to create a valuable course. So a lot of times we talk about it as 
in in my course in, in as the MVC instead of your beta course. You bring up a really great point about communicating the value of whatever it is that you're selling, whether it is a course or any other product or service, that you're in control of that messaging. And it's important to understand what thoughts may go through people through people's heads. Like some people might think, oh, it's beta, it's not that valuable, but you can anticipate that. And you can create messaging to counteract that and show them and explain to them that, hey, that's actually not true. Look at all of the extra value you're going to be getting when you join at this rate in the beta program. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about pricing a little bit because, you know, we kind of alluded to it a little bit. Um, how would you go about pricing a beta course? So. I always try to think about there's there's multiple different types of courses there's like your intro course your starter course. Um, and all the way up to kind of like a signature course, which is more of a um, really in depth and there are some guidelines along that but really. I like to say you focus on what value you're providing like what would the cost be if they didn't have you how and time is a big cost really your course is giving them a shortcut. Um, so it's definitely valuable, even though it's a beta. Um, generally, when you start out, you kind of have an idea of what you're going to charge for it in the future. And a good rule of thumb is to have about half of that for your beta course. Um, but you're also having the understanding that you're kind of expecting that feedback from them. So that's kind of you're saying, I'm gonna let you, you know, join my course for about half the price, but instead in like in, response, I'm going to expect this, you know, feedback from you so that I can make my course better and that I can improve my materials. Um, the other rule, the one rule that I do have that I tell my students is that you should never be pricing your course below $100, like even in the beta. I, it's a strict rule that I like to say, because if you're spending the time and you're spending the effort making sure that it's super valuable, it's worth at least $100. Big fan of that. And I feel like that's not advice that is floating around too much out there. It's no. almost like an unpopular opinion, right? It definitely is. And I think that we see a lot of the more visible um, people in our industry, the entrepreneur world that are selling courses for, you know, $37, $67, that kind of thing. And they kind of can do that because they have the volume. They have like this really large audience. Um, but really, you know, if you're spending the time on it, $100 is minimum for me in my eyes. <laughs> and I think when it comes to pricing, so many people struggle with it because they feel guilty. Like that's where all of these pricing struggles come from is this internal feeling of guilt. Like I shouldn't be charging that much when in reality, $100 isn't that much money. Like and I know there are people from all different walks of life, at life and challenges and I get it. Um, but a course is valuable and we need to price it as such. Like that's an important, it's important to me at least. <laughs> yeah. In its essence, a course is a shortcut. You're yeah. taking what they could technically DIY and research and spend time figuring out on their own, but they're saying to you, like, I don't have the time. I don't want to spend the effort really researching it and doing it on my own and not actually being sure if I'm going to get the results when I could just pay you and get that shortcut from your experience, get that, um, yeah, get that advice from you. Uh, and I'm going to have a much better result. So talking a little bit more about this, there are people who are like, it's beta. I'm asking for people to basically do me a favor. I shouldn't be charging anything. 
And so I, I'm, I kind of know what you're going to say now, because you said don't charge less than 100. But what do you have to say to people who are like, no way I'm putting a price tag on this thing? Um, two things. One, are they getting a result? If they're still getting a result, it's valuable enough for them mm -hmm. to give you at least $100. I, I will stand by that. Um, and then two, there's a common like marketing, it's commonly known in marketing that things tend, people tend to imply value based on how much it costs. So something that is free, they might not think of as so valuable. Um, example, okay, so you go into the bike store and someone tells you, congratulations, you're our hundredth customer of the day. Um, you get to pick out a free bike. There's two bikes that you get to choose from and one is $600 and the other one's $1,600. Immediately, what do you think is the better bike? The $1,600, right. Yeah. right? And they could be literally exactly the same bike, but you're automatically kind of drawn to, oh, this one must be better because it's more expensive, right? If people don't kind of give you that little bit of commitment by paying you, then it's not really likely they're going to finish your course. And that's not really helpful to either of you. Uh, but like, I think it's like a, a saying where people pay, they pay attention. Um, so just that little bit um, of commitment that they're giving you by paying you is so important in their attitude, their mindset when they're starting your course too. There are actually studies that have been done um, on this idea when it comes to gym memberships there are gym memberships that cost $9 a month. And then there are gym memberships that can cost 150 plus dollars a month. I come from the camp of spending the 150 plus <laughs> a month because I, you know, I not recently, but I was in CrossFit involved in the CrossFit community. Um, and it's interesting because I always went to the gym. Like I went five, six times a week because I spent a crap load of money every single month at the gym. Whereas somebody who pays for, I don't know, what are those like crunch? Maybe I, I'm trying to think of like the other gyms that are really budget friendly, like $9 or so. How often do those people actually go to the gym? It's like not much of a financial investment for them. So they don't feel bad when they skip a day. Whereas me, I'm like, oh my gosh, each class is like $20 if you do them or whatever it is. So I better go. So um, yeah, it's, it's an, you bring up a really great point that we need to financially invest in something in order to get results. And I think it's more important than ever with a beta based on this point that you actually have these introductory students get those results. And in order to get those results, they really need to pay so that they're personally invested. It's kind of backwards, actually. It's almost more important that they pay for this than like the non-beta people later on. <laughs> And you're definitely going to, I mean, like, you can always tell them, I'm definitely going to help you. I, I'm looking for those places where you get stuck so I can solve it with you, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, I definitely agree. When they're invested, when they're invested in what you're doing, you're always going to get better results. So feedback is obviously critical to this process of a beta program. How can we foster this environment where our customers, our students are actually willing to give feedback and continuously give that feedback that we've asked them to? Yeah, well, first of all, I think it's be very transparent about it up front. Say, hey, you know, this is my beta. I'm still gonna help you get your results, but like in result, in as a, um, but I am gonna expect that feedback. It's kind of an agreement that you make when you're doing. Um, and then really being available 
and noting down the things that you wouldn't necessarily think of as feedback, but really they are. Like the questions that they're asking. If they're asking a question, that means that something wasn't clear. When you get the same question over and over, that's feedback. That's feedback that something needs to be kind of ironed out around whatever their question is. Um, that, and I recommend to my students to really have surveys like along the way and make it easy for them to find it while they're doing, while they're going through the content. So like at the bottom of every lesson, have a link. Like you have an idea, you have a thought, here's the link. There's where you can give it to me, make it very clear and make it very available for them. Because if you have this idea of, oh, they're gonna go through the course and then give me all this feedback, by the time they finish the course, they might've lost something, forgotten about something um, that, that would have been really helpful for you. Now, when you say be really transparent, where should people do that? On the sales page and the sales emails? Like what's the best approach to that transparency? Yeah, I'm all about scrappy, scrappy. So like when I have my students do betas, I don't even do sales pages. I have an email that you send out to your um, to your network and you post very lightly about it on your um, course. But so it is a little more personal when you're talking to who could be your beta student. Um, so I actually do recommend to kind of get to know them just a little bit. And while you're having that conversation, that's when it kind of comes up. Like, okay, this is, I'm gonna help you and we're gonna like kind of do this together, but but there it is. These are kind of like how, this is kind of like how it's gonna go. So yeah. because your beta students are so important that they kind of fit into people that you actually could help people that are your audience for this course. Um, I do think it's a little important to kind of like have that conversation and make sure that um, it works for both of you. Um, and I think that's super cool that or you're calling it scrappy and I'm, I'm gonna call it efficient when it comes to launching a beta program, just getting it out there, right? You don't have to have the fancy sales page. Um, you don't have to have anything besides the payment processor, or, you know, maybe even if that's not set up, you could send, you know, send out a PayPal link, like you can do it as scrappy as you want to. Um, but it sounds like you really take pride in the fact that this is something that you can just get out there without all of the insane launch planning strategies that come with that. Oh, yeah, I am totally a person who suffers from this idea of perfectionism and you have to realize like that's a form of procrastination mm -hmm. really if you're um getting something out there that's scrappy scrappy but still effective it's better than something that you never finish creating because you're trying to make it perfect it's actually a google mantra is that is launch then iterate like get it out there see where you can improve it and then you make iterations um, and then it's kind of like this idea that there's no failure, there's just learning points. Right. And also this, this concept of iteration, I think it doesn't end with the beta. I think you're always iterating. Like for me, you know, I've had courses now for a long time and memberships and I'm always changing them and evolving based on this regular feedback that comes in from students. Um, and I think that's just an important part of education like constantly it really, changing. Yeah. It really is. And the number one mistake that I see from people is they go straight from like creating and ideating their course to let's hire a video crew. Let's get my makeup done and make these professional videos. But then when you get that super valuable feedback, it takes a lot of effort to 
like to iterate those videos to improve them and really the goal here isn't to have a completely polished product it's to have the insight on what would make the product better and if you start off thinking okay this is what it is then you're really going to be hesitant to make those little improvements and ultimately that's going to be worse for your students okay so what tips do you have for people when they are creating their beta um, when they're thinking about recording video and writing out the content like how do you recommend people actually go about doing that knowing that they're going to most likely be changing it in the future well, I wouldn't think about it as changing it. I would thinking about it as tweaking it and making little improvements. Um, when you're first starting to think about what your course is going to be about, one of the most important things is to figure out exactly what your promise is, to really define what the result is, because then it kind of makes it clearer when you're creating your content, what is essential to get that result and what isn't. We tend to kind of like think of um, volume as value when really it's not. When you're creating a course, you want to give your students the most direct path from where they are to their result. Like, and you think about like Google Maps. Like when I go to Google Maps and I put in my destination, I don't wanna see all the sites along the way. I wanna get there and I wanna get there fast. And that's kind of like the same that you do for a course. So if you start with defining what the end point is, then you can kind of, I first I'd like brain dump everything that you've learned that could get you to the, that end point or all the, all the points, the little turns in our Google Maps analogy to get you to that end point. And then really, really think about is each of these really essential? to get them to the endpoint. If I didn't have this in my course, would they still get be able to get the same result? Um, so really you're kind of like cutting it down to what's really essential to get them that result fastest. Um, and then because you're doing a beta, if there is something that you had kind of taken out because you thought it might not be super essential, then you can put it back in. That's where you're, that's where you're kind of testing what you think is essential and not. Um, so really that I think would be my number one piece of advice when you're starting is that get really clear on what you're promising, what your result is, because it'll make creating the content really easy. And then it'll also make after the beta judging whether or not your content was successful. Really, really clear. So I, I didn't ask this, but I feel like it's important. Um, do you ever limit or do you recommend uh, people who are launching a beta course limit the number of students that come in through a beta round? Yes. You have to kind of think about and be honest with yourself. They're not in your beta round. They're not as much of an investment of your time as a, as an actual client, but it is an investment. If you have 50 people who you're trying to listen to and help, it could get a little muddy. Um, so personally, I think that my, I always say the cap really is 50. Generally, if you're really wanting to get it to know and figuring out like how you can help your students the best 10 or 15 generally is the best people think that their, their beta has to be really big, but, um, but they don't, you just have to make sure that the people that are in your beta are ones that are very comfortable giving you that feedback. And it sounds like 
the goal of launching your beta is not necessarily to make money. The goal is to help you refine this product that will eventually make money. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. It's to get your product as efficient as possible. Um, and also to get kind of those, those testimonials, those success stories as well. Um, and really a lot of times people have a lot of imposter syndrome that comes up when they're creating courses. I see it over and over and over again. And having that beta, when you finish and you see that your students have gotten those results, it's like this big confidence booster for yourself. I think that's also really an important reason to do a beta is to kind of not necessarily prove, that's not the greatest word for it, but to prove that what you're doing and your, your methods that you're teaching are actually going to get results. Okay, so we've covered a lot. Is there anything else that you feel like our listeners really should know or pay attention to when they're approaching their first beta course? I think that it's really important to know that this idea of imperfect progress is better than being paralyzed. Like getting it out there, that's what the beta is for, is to get it out there, to see the reaction. And that really like having a beta is a gift. Like there's so much insight and less pressure that you can put on yourself with time and money. Um, and so to kind of take advantage of this time to really dig deep in what your students need. Um, we talk in the entrepreneur space, we talk a lot about knowing exactly what your audience wants and needs and what their pain points and struggles are. The beta is like a great place to talk to those people in your audience. Talk to the students that you have that are basically a representation of the students that you will have. Really get to know them and their pain points. Um, yeah, and then once you've done it and you've made those tweaks, then you can start thinking about like how it looks and polishing it a little more. Um, but I also have a rule about that too. And that's, it's your course should go for six months or 50 students before you even touch the content. Like just because, yeah, just because one person or a few people have, um, have a hard time with a certain point doesn't mean that uh, everybody will, right? Um, because everyone comes in in different places. And right. So 50 people, six months will give you a good amount of feedback so that you can know really where your course needs tweaking. So is that six months and 50 students or whichever comes first? I would say or, whichever comes first. Okay, cool, I like that. Yeah. This has been amazing, Steph. Thank you so much for sharing all this information with us. You have a free master class. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so my free master class is called From Concept to Course in 30 Days or Less. Generally, I find in 30 days, that's plenty of time to get from like starting thinking about a course to launching that scrappy beta. Um, and so in my masterclass, we talk about the three mistakes that a lot of entrepreneurs make that kind of like limit their income and the secret to working less, but earning more, which by the way, is a course, the scalable, leverageable products. Um, and then all about my complete roadmap to turn your unique expertise into an awesome course that really sells with ease because you've done the research, you've done the work, and it's exactly what your audience needs. So I talk all about all of those things in my masterclass. And you guys can grab that at stephwoods.co forward slash masterclass. We'll have that link in the show notes. And for everybody who fell in love with you and your wisdom today, where can they hang out with you online? 
Oh, the best place is on Instagram. I like, I hate to say this and, and people always like put your, put your phone down, but I live on Instagram. <laughs> um, so that's at stephwoods.co. Um, and yeah, I'd love anyone who is interested in courses. I honestly could talk about courses forever. So reach out, say hi. I love to meet new people who are interested in creating fantastic courses. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation talking about courses with you. It's a, it's a personal favorite topic of mine as well. So thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Yay, thank you for having me. Hey, Rebel Boss, do you want to learn how to launch your digital product in the next 90 days? If yes, grab the free roadmap over at edenfree.com forward slash RBL. That's edenfree.com forward slash RBL. Thank you so much for listening. If you love the podcast, don't forget to leave us a five-star review and a share on social media. Your support really does mean the world. I'm your host, Eden Freed, and remember, keep kicking ass, keep putting in the work, and most importantly, keep showing up. We'll see you next time. Thank you.